You there, adventurer? Yes, you. Do you desire knowledge of immense worlds and arcane power? A codex of untold stories and lore? Or perhaps simply easy listening for your daily commute? Then feast your eyes, or more accurately, ears, upon Dungeonpedia. Shit's about to get nerdy in here. everyone and welcome to Dungeonpedia, an exploration into the lore of Dungeons and Dragons. We're your hosts, Lynn Markell. Taylor Stanfield. And I'm Travis Beasley. And um, just a warning uh, <laughs> from the top of this episode. Oh, right off the bat, huh? Yeah, right off the bat. we. It's always good when we get a warning just right from the warning. start. Warning! <laughs> so, um, this episode was very kindly uh, requested by Anthony Toteda, Tito Toteda. On Twitter <laughs> and Ari Foxkit also on Twitter. Um, we're talking about flail snails. Mm-hmm. And the, the the warning is that I am going to mess up saying that. Oh. Probably. And we probably will too, actually. Because, because flail snail is a very hard phrase to say. Yeah. And you know what? Every time I say it, it feels wrong. Yeah. Even if I say it right, it feels wrong. What about the flail snail flails? <laughs> Travis, I swear to God. And I thought maybe that I was like, okay, maybe I'll do, a, I'll, I'll like, so for the sake of making this easier on myself, I'm going to just say snails. And then I was like, no, that's fucking quitter behavior. Oh, God. So <laughs> I'm that's just quitter swore, talk. That's quitter talk. I'm just, I'm just warning you guys from the top that like, and I'm also warning editing Lewin that like, <laughs> I'm going to mess up saying that so many times. No. Because I can't talk. And well, then. You guys can't, sometimes can't talk either. Sometimes. Sometimes. If you listen to last week's. Oh, God. Yeah. Ad break, you will definitely. Oh, this is going to, this whole, that's going to be this whole episode. Oh, no. It's just going to be me being completely unable to. So, uh, thank you, Anthony and Ari, for giving us such a fun topic to say. I don't know anything and about the topic. And by fun, I mean, I mean bad. But saying say. it already is... Bad. Yeah. Bad. It, it hurts a little bit. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. It hurts just a little bit. So... Flail start- snail. Yes. <laughs> I keep wanting to say snail flail. I don't know no. why. <laughs> so what the hell is a flail snail? Yeah. Well... I, that that's, it feels like step one. Like, I'm sure it's a giant snail, but... I mean, it depends on your definition of giant. Um, yeah. oh. So they're technically only large most of the time. Huh. So... Um, flail snails are creatures that originated first in the Fiend Folio in 1981. Okay. Um, they are described as silicon-based mollusks, which, like, life on Earth is carbon-based, so... Right. I don't know what that means. That's <laughs> I was hard. like, they just said silicon-based and then just kind of left it without further explaining yeah, what that yeah. means. what? Hmm. All I know is, like, silicon... Like computer, like for computer, you know what I mean? Yeah. Which is not the vibe here. But anyway, they're a silicon-based life form. Okay. Um, Okay. They're a silicon-based mollusk, which mollusks are typically carbon-based life forms, whatever. Um, And they average eight feet high at the crown of their shell. Because, you know, they got the kind of... Yeah, yeah, yeah. They got round. Oh. Yes. Um, So silicon 
is a hard, brittle, crystalline solid with blue-gray metallic luster. It's a metal. So they're hmm. or it's based an, life forms? It's an element, a chemical I mean, yeah. element, but... I mean, yeah, but so, that's not that's not the vibe. They're not, um... Okay, so... They're, they're, they're... It's a kind of a misleading, uh... I think they were just, like, they had a periodic table <laughs> up on the wall, and they just threw a dart at it, and they're, and like, they hit silicon. silicon. Yeah, they're, like, silicon-based. Uh, which it. would be SI. Yes. Apparently. And its atomic number is 14. Are you, are you having fun with this? Kind of. Okay, All continuing. Right. <laughs> Welcome to our segment, Periodic Table with Travis. Woo. So they are about eight feet tall at the crown of their shell because they have kind of these like circular. They in in some ways they look like a they're shaped like a very traditional snail. Okay. So they got the rounded um, spiraling shell and, you know, the soft, sl- like elongated slug like body. However, um, they depart a little bit from a traditional earth snail appearance um, because they have four to six, I believe a later edition says most commonly five, club tentacles that project from their head. They're basically pseudopods that... What? Mm -hmm. Okay, now I gotta look up a picture of these things. Hence, flail. What the hell? Okay. So I'm immediately noticing one thing, other than the giant fucking flail tentacles. Mm-hmm. Step well, one. Where are its eyes? Don't worry about it. We'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. So hence, hence flail. Um, so they're basically like these pseudopods that grow out of their head and they flail around, <laughs> if you can imagine. Yeah. And if- it... Hits things with them, yes. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm going to guess it uses those for combat. Yes. Ew. So the sort of the the stats of the flail snail from the beginning are given a they function a little bit differently than stats for other creatures. Um, and I, there's no better way to say it than to just explain what precisely it means. So basically, every f- like of these tentacles has its own individual hit die. Okay. So they represent each tentacle represents one hit die. Therefore, a snail with five tentacles has five hit die. Okay. Okay. That, I mean, I, I can follow that. Yeah. Not only does the each tentacle have its own hit die, they also have their own hit points. And if you, you know, individually reduce the hit points of one of the tentacles to zero, it ceases to function. So okay. it's essentially, I think um, maybe maybe a later edition said that the implication is that it was cut off, basically. Right. So you're basically just attacking the individual mm-hmm. flail. Yes. And that then things. reduces its hit die. Right. It, the, the snail's overall hit dice by, like, the one you cut off, you reduce its hit, by, hit dice by one. Okay. So after all the tentacles have been killed... <laughs> um. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, no, this is... It there's dies? Some, it does die. There's some doozies in this episode. Um, it does die. It says that the snail withdraws the rest of its body mm-hmm. um, into its shell. Mm-hmm. And it dies, yes, in one to three turns, <laughs> during which time it utters pitiful wailing cries. Oh, my God. Which have a 50% chance per turn of attracting a wandering monster. What? Oh, my God. <laughs> so it screams before it dies. I immediately <laughs> feel so bad for it now, though. I, I do, too. <laughs> just this little monster for one to three turns just 
wailing. wailing. Yeah, because it's dying. Yeah. Also, um, foil snails are neutral in alignment <clears throat> and are also described as basically being pretty passive. Unless this 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 changes somewhat, but you know they're described as being pretty passive. Like they don't chase things. Yeah, I I feel so bad. I we'll also see. feel so bad. Like yeah, just why? like the, why not? I mean, why would you like attack Make it, it though? Uh, if we'll, it's we'll, we'll get into why if it's generally just passive. Like we'll get into why. There's a lot of interesting things about oh, these no. creatures. Okay. So, you know, this is kind of the accepted, easier way to kill one of these things is to chop off all the pseudopods and then just let it scream scream itself to death. Um, But the creature's body also has its own individual hit points, but it is very adept at withdrawing quickly. Like, it moves slowly, but in combat, it's so adept at withdrawing into its body, into its shell very quickly, that the body has an AC of negative eight. Oh my god. Whoa. Which is really very good. Very, very good. Yeah, that's like... That's like even if you hit it, it's gonna do no damage. Yeah, that's that's better than like a lot of very, very high, high uh challenge like gods. Like that's better than godly avatars that I have seen. I can't remember the what the Trask's AC is, but it's negative three. Okay. Why do I remember that? I don't right offhand. Anyway, um it says that reducing the body's hit points will kill the creature, even if some of the tentacles survive. Which I think is also it may may be the way to kill it and not have to listen to it cry. So okay, there you go. So if you want to take be the, humane about it, <laughs> well, if you want to be humane about it, don't kill it. But you know, I mean, yeah. But if you're gonna kill it, I guess you could go that way. It's just gonna take a lot. It's more gonna effort. be very hard. Yeah. So um, the foil snail is immune to fire and poison. This is both. Magical and non-magical fire. Okay. Um, but is hypersensitive to light and therefore is always encountered either at nighttime or underground. Okay. They do not like the sun. Bright lights. Me neither. I don't know much about snails, like actual snails, but a creature of this sort that apparently has no eyes, I can kind of understand that. Yeah. Seems like it was probably... Yeah. Mostly Which lived its like, life underground. I feel like real snails are like that too. I can't recall. Because I think it's a I think it's like a drying thing. Like it, they like wet environments. That sounds right. Perhaps. And maybe it's like the darker it is, kind of the more the more dank it is. The better it is for snails. I think. I've read Uzumaki. I should know more about snails. Anyway, so now we're getting into the reason why well like what makes well, not what makes, but one of the things that makes flail snails very special, and also the reason why people would want to kill them. And yes, that is, I've been wanting to know this. And that is their shells. Oh. So flail snail shells, fuck, <laughs> uh, come in a wide, ver- like it changes quite a bit over from edition to edition, but they're very brightly colored, like beautiful swirling patterns. Right. You know, very beautiful to look at. Um, they also offer the flail snail partial protection against magic. Uh. Um, and this acts as a type of, as a uh, piece of armor called a robe of scintillating colors. And the effect is as follows. Um, whenever flail snail is attacked by magic, the effects are variable. 
Um, which it didn't say that you specifically rolled this against a percentage die back in the day, or if the effect was maybe if you would determine it some other way, but it's given in percentages. So 40% chance of the spell malfunctioning and the malfunction is up to DM discretion, DM discretion, basically. And that typically the kind of idea that they had for it was that it was like a very minor alteration, maybe altering the radius of the spell or something like that. Okay. So nothing crazy. It's not like you try to hit it with a fire spell and then it turns into a chicken. Um, that's not the that's not the idea. Forty um, percent chance of the spell malfunctioning, thirty percent chance of it functioning normally, twenty percent chance of it failing to work at all, and ten percent chance of it being reflected onto the person casting it. Oh my god! Damn. Which is like the I think the one in six of the or maybe five out of six of the um, Tarasks hide because it had the magic bounce. Right. Oh yeah. Yeah. yeah okay. I yeah. mean, I would see that as probably just rolling on a percentage dice but yeah, yeah it didn't explicitly say that though so yeah you know because just... in in later editions when you roll against a d100 it's like you know yeah one through 40 or whatever <laughs> but anyway so the reason that people want these shells is because after the snail dies it maintains these properties okay. for one to six months after the occupant's death Okay, I, I can understand why you would want that. Yeah, I mean, but it's only a temporary thing. I mean, one to six months. Yeah, like still a good while. Yeah. And yeah. I suppose if you can find a way to, if you know, like, you're, put it in a stasis of some sort. That too. Mm-hmm. I was gonna say if you if you know you're going up against something like crazy powerful too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, then you would get that just for like that one fight, and then yeah. Also, um. You can. I don't think it was it was expanded upon in this first entry, but you can make stuff with it too that carries that effect. Okay. So very versatile. Um, okay, and yeah. it said the shell weighs two hundred and fifty pounds and can be sold for as much as five thousand gold pieces. Jesus. So you you can get a pretty penny from these, which it's even you know even maybe thinking like, well, how how good is that actually? If it might not last that long, it's like. If the market's already built itself up and you can make 5,000 GP a pop selling these... It doesn't matter. It kind of doesn't matter. Yeah. You know? And plus, like, rich people are weird. Rich people are weird. Rich people are weird. See, my thing is now thinking, at least as far as, like, from a DM perspective, which would you want to go with if you were going to introduce something like that in your game? Are you going to introduce it as poachers or, like, a hunter's guild of sorts? Poachers. Poachers. Because I'm very upset about the way that these guys die. I am also very upset about the way they die, and I would definitely go with poachers as well. Yeah. Just I, um, because it's so sad. I mean, and it's not like they're just, like, weak. They're not, like, they're not weak, like, easy easy targets, mayhaps, but... But that does also throw them into the possible category of just hunters. Right. Guild. Yeah, I because guess. So, my... I mean, to be fair, there's a lot of real life animals that aren't weak, easy targets, but they still get poached. That is true. Yeah. Um. It honestly, like, or sh- completely stepping back out of the fantasy ele- element, it would honestly just depend on like how numerous of a like populace they are. Very yeah. rare. Very rare. Very rare. Yes. So yes, poachers. poachers. Yeah, poachers. Absolutely. Or no. chefs who want to make like really exotic escargot, which is still poaching. 
I wanted to make a joke about escargot. I'm sorry. Or it's just like Genji Ito looking you for know, some You know, you can make like five to ten shields out of one of their shells. Well, tell, I'll tell you how many shields you can make out of oh. them later. Oh. Uh, two. The answer's two. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Really? Uh, they're yes. so big. I'm guessing not a lot of the shell is usable. Huh. Well, you'll explain yeah, that yeah, later yeah. then. <laughs> it's fine. So next we are going to move into, I think it's the first time I've ever talked about this one. Um, well, this particular book, but the Monstrous Compendium Greyhawk Adventures Appendix, ah. which was released in 1990. We've talked about Greyhawk a lot, obviously. Right. But um, yeah. also this might have been, I think it, I didn't include this when I wrote in the title. It might be called like Monstrous Compendium 5. Greyhog Adventures Appendix, something like that. There's a lot of them. Right. It's anyway. A, it's a weird one. This this one was released in 1990. Whatever. So, um, flail snails are again described as silicon-based... Ga- They're not described as gastropods, which is different. Silicon-based gastropods. Yes. Um, and <laughs> it says they are distantly related to ordinary garden snails. Oh my god. Which I... Okay, I didn't... I glossed over okay. this when I was, like, reading, but I'm... I'm assuming that ordinary garden snails, even in uh, Earth, are carbon-based. Yeah. So how are they distantly related to something that's made out of a completely different... Hmm. Magic. (laughs) Magic. Magic. You were too busy asking how you could do this. You never stopped to ask if you should do it. it, Which, I mean, flail snails are pretty cool. You can make flail snails. We also kind of fell into that same conundrum with the mimics, too. Yeah. Yeah, Like, why? (laughs) Just why? Why, though? So, um, they're... uh, Because, I mean, there was art of them, obviously. But their uh, tentacles are described in more detail, which, you know, is something I'm always interested in. Um, They're described as... They're, you know, like these pseudopods that end in a 10-pound... Excuse me. Massive hardened flesh covered with knobs. Oh, my... So it is definitely, literally like a club, uh, yeah, a, it's club just a club on the end of of this tentacle. Ooh, yeah. <laughs> Ooh, hardened Painful. flesh, guys, covered with knobs. Yes. <laughs> God, <laughs> you are welcome. You're bad. I don't like it. So, you were asking earlier about their eyes. Um, short sensor tentacles grow from either side of their head. Uh, these sensors detect motion up to twenty feet away. So that's essentially their eyes. Okay. Damn, they have a very short sight. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They do. And it's worth noting later, this was implemented later, but essentially they can't see at all outside of that 20-foot radius. It's they, not even like a at a penalty or whatever. They just have no sight past it. Yeah. That they have a very, sucks. very small field of vision. And they're in gray hot. Their flesh is described as rubbery. And like a gray-blue color. So they have these very vibrantly colored shells, but their bodies are kind of a little more... Modeled. Yeah, a little like kind of kind of dingy, you know? Yeah. Oh, God, you guys are about to feel bad again. Uh, <laughs> flail snails are descri- uh, described... This is described. Described as what? living peaceful lives crawling up and down dungeon and cavern corridors. Oh, no. uh, nor- they are normally quiet, but aggressively defend themselves... From basically anything that comes within their 20-foot sensory range. I mean, I would, too, if I couldn't see past... 20 feet. 20 feet. <laughs> but These just poor like, little creatures. They're just crawling well, around caves, like, vibing. Just vibing. Big creatures, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> These poor big creatures. Um, in Greyhawk, we finally learn what they eat. 
They eat uh, lichen and algae that grows on the floors and, you know, ceilings of various, like, dungeons and caverns and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. Um, And it says that the way they eat is that glands in their mouth secrete a substance that loosens the plants and they then scrape up the loosened bits. Okay. Which, um, in hindsight, this substance might just be saliva. I really don't know. But they referred to it as a substance. I mean, eh. Substance, saliva, either way, it doesn't matter. It's fine. So, um, I don't know why this next point gets me so bad. Um, females give live birth to 1D3 young. What is wrong with that sentence? Females give live birth? Why do they give live birth? <laughs> They're snails! They, they have no do- reason... I mean, do regular snails give life birth? No. no. Have you not seen that video of, of... No. Okay. Again, I don't know hardly they, anything about snails. They lay eggs. Okay. <laughs> now you know that. Snails are not something that I generally look into on a daily basis. No, that's fair. Uh, but um, Speak for yourself. These ones give live birth. Apparently. Maybe it has to do with the fact that they're not carbon-based. <laughs> <laughs> that just I don't know, but like I literally read that and I was like, live birth to 1D3 young. Okay, okay. The era wait, live birth <laughs> Wait what? Wait a minute. Huh. That one's um that one's a little odd, yeah. Okay, so according to Google, there are some species of snails that are indeed viviparous. So I stand corrected. Oh. Um don't like that. Hmm. Moving on. Um uh, Okay. Huh. I I don't know I don't know why I don't like that but I don't. Anyway, um these 1D3 young remain with the mother for 2 years, uh which is a, you know, quite a while, I feel like, for animals that in the real world are not known for being really parents. Yeah. Right. They just kind of set it and forget it and then the baby snails just kind of figure out their own way, but um the babies remain with the mother for 2 years until their tentacle knobs reach reach a weight of around 5 pounds which is half a the weight sentence. which is half the <laughs> weight of an adult one but you know i wouldn't want to be hit with a 5 pound lump of hardened flesh i would not want I to either like it also would, still, would not want to it would hurt it, yeah it would still suck um it says that flail snails mature at the age of four and live up to 20 years and mm. i believe that this is the only point from here going forward where their age is or where their age where their lifespan is actually mentioned so not a very long lifespan no so that either means that they were just like i guess this is fine but they also don't mention it later i don't believe so Whatever. So their the life of their shell's magical powers after their death has been changed from one to six months to one d six months, which I mean, you know, basically right. the same. Just you know, you you roll for it of deciding it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it said that after this point, they become statistically the same as a non magical plus two shield. So like okay. it's still a shield, but you know it's not it's just, a magic bouncing shield. Right, it's just a plus two, which is still pretty good. Yeah, yeah. So this introduced a variant because this was like this wasn't the flail snail heading. This was the snail heading, and so then flail snail was a subset of that. I just realized I think I've said it correctly every single time. I'm really proud of you, but now you're not going. To yeah, anymore. you've done good. Yeah. It's gonna, that's gonna come back to bite. I just want you guys to know, like, I was not putting one on earlier. I thought I was really gonna struggle through speaking, but 
I'm I'm doing okay, I guess. So it was like you had flail snails and then you had sea snails. Oh, okay. Hmm. So uh, these, quote, behemoths of the deep, unquote, uh, uh-huh. measure up to 20 feet in length. Oh, God. It's a big boy. It's a very big boy. And it says they are a variety of giant conch. So instead of a relative of the garden snail, they are a relative of a conch. Okay. Hmm. The sea snails, obviously, live in the seas and the oceans. Wait, 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 wait. What? Does that mean that they have a magic conch shell? <laughs> I'm done. I'm done. <laughs> That's pretty good. Nailed it. That's pretty good. Yeah. Nailed it. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> okay, now I'm done. Yes. Now I'm done. <laughs> I hate my friends. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> okay. Deep breaths. Well, you want to know the worst part about that, about your joke, Travis, is that their shells vary in color from bright red to white with a pink interior. Pink, like the magic conch shell. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just imagining it. one of these that looks oh exactly like the magic conch. Oh, oh that's so good. Oh, oh so uh, sea snails are often tamed by tritons, which is fucking cool. And a little um, terrifying. A little bit. And instead of the instead of flails, uh, sea snails release a neurotoxin into the water if they are threatened. Um and oh. withdraw oh. into their shell. Oh, I mean, yeah, that's like normal. Yeah, it just it still caught me off guard. Yeah, and just, you know, being in the sea and just have this poison all around you, like Yeah. It's um, not a fun time. And then after nope. this happens. Um, the retreated sea snail will start to wail, after which a bunch of tritons will come and, like, you know. Wreck shit. Yeah, wreck shit. <clears throat> um, what does the, like, neurotoxin do? Like, is it just a straight, like, paralysis? Yeah, it's, it a, it's a paralysis. Damage? It's okay. a, it is a paralysis. Like, you, you would think neurotoxin, but you never know with Dandy. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's just, um, it's just a neurotoxin with a, um, minus three and... Uh, imposed on the save against poison. I would also not want to be paralyzed underwater. No, thank you. No, especially because uh, it paralyzes for 1d6 hours. Holy shit. AKA, even if there were no tritons in the vicinity, you would just fucking drown. <laughs> yeah. Unless you were a water-breathing type person. Uh, and you, you're killing Travis, by the way. Yep, that. Mm-mm. Yeah, um, nope, I'm, I'm so good, man. Oh yeah, I forget. Travis doesn't like the ocean. Nope. <laughs> nope, so, nope. 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 Yeah. So, and that I believe was the only. I didn't. I hate to sound like this, but I didn't look especially hard for any more about the sea snails because it's kind of like. I mean, it's a subset. It was like a subset, so I don't know if maybe they were in a later edition. Under the entry, sea snail, as opposed to snail, flail, sea. Right. right. I did that in a little triangle you guys couldn't see, but, you know, because <laughs> um, it was a subheading thing. But I didn't go hunting for sea snails. Um, but this seems like this is kind of the only time they're ever mentioned, at least directly alongside flail snails. Right. So um, this is also the last time that flail snails are mentioned that I could find. And I scoured... Like, all the monster manuals, all fucking 40 of them that came out in 3rd edition, um, and any other place that I would think that they would be, um, like any supplements that I feel like flail snails vibed with, mm-hmm. 
And I could not find them um, until 2009. Oh. Whoa. That's quite the long gap. Why was there such an absence of flail snakes? They were hibernating, I guess. That's... Um, Kind of weird, because third third shift? (laughs) Wow. That's, you know, what we work. (laughs) My bad. Um, Third edition (laughs) kept and added a a lot. lot. Yeah, like, I I could not, yeah. Like, there are, like, what, three monster manuals just for, like, third edition? Something like that. Mm -hmm. Like, just... For that one, not, not including even the extras they did for like 3.5 and like all the uh, the errata and shit. Yeah. yeah. God. So before we talk about, because we all know 2009 was fourth edition era. Ah, uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I think before we catch back up with our snap, f- fuck. There it goes. <laughs> there you, go. you jinxed before, yourself. Damn it. Before we catch up with our flail snell buddies, we're going to take a quick break. But not a 19-year one. No. 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 Not quite that long. Just like 18 years. See you guys in 2040. Hey, everybody. Thank you for checking out this snail tail. It's not not quite going on a snail's pace, though. I feel like we're... uh... No, it's it's taking longer than I thought it was going to. Okay, but a snail's pace implies that it's, like, boring and slow. Okay. So hopefully we're not that. (laughs) Well, well, you know what's not boring? What's not boring? Is MetallicDiceGames.com, our affiliate partner. They have a lot of beautiful dice and dice-related accessories, including some exclusive sets that you can't get anywhere else. Some beautiful exclusives that we have done a giveaway for in the past. We have done did given away. (laughs) <laughs> and we <laughs> and have gave them their dice maybe away. personally purchased a few ourselves yes perhaps mm-hmm. these dice are as beautiful if not more so as a flail snail shell and if you find any that catch your eye you can use code dungeonpedia for 10% off your entire order at metallicdicegames.com yeah and of course if you would still like to support us directly we have our patreon which is just dungeonpedia and there you can catch Lewin's Really tiny bibliography. Yeah, because they're the publication history of these guys is not super long, yet this episode is pretty long. It, it, there's a lot of information packed in there. Yes, and there's a lot packed into their little slimy bodies. Which aren't really little. Because they're eight feet tall. We have a couple of tiers. Well, we have the one tier available, but we, we appreciate any amount, seriously. Thank yeah. you so much for your support. Yeah. Uh, speaking of supporting us, you can also continue to support us by following us on Twitter and Instagram at Dungeonpedia. There we also post updates on episodes and funny memes art. and art and polls sometimes. It's just a it's just a fun place to be. This episode was suggested by Ari and Anthony on Twitter, but you can you can send us a suggestion on Twitter or you can send us an email at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. Or, you know, just, like, write it in the sky. We'll see it. Text me. My number, no. Just, just it, you know what? If you guess Lewin's number, we'll do your episode. <laughs> Honestly, yeah. Like, no no questions asked. Not even, like, oh, yeah, we'll put that on the... Like, I will <laughs> start researching it right then. Please we will don't. give you no hints. Just text me. Don't call me. Please don't call me. Uh, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to our lovely, lovely episodes to get notifications when we do post new episodes. Um, if those platforms do happen to have the ability, go ahead and rate us, leave a review. That would be great and help us out a lot. 
But also just spread the word. Continue telling your friends and your coworkers about us. Spread the word like flail snails spread their mucus trails. Ew. Okay, maybe a little quicker than that, because, you know, your friends are probably busy. But really, at your own pace is fine, too, though. You know what else is fine? Our theme song, which is by Alexander Nakarada. And it's amazing. Thank you so much, Alexander. Yes. Thank you, Alexander. Thank you, Alexander. It's amazing, and we love it. And uh, with that, let's go ahead and get back to the flail snail trail. The tails. The tails of the flail snail. Of the trails of the flail snails. There are other words that rhyme. We're just making We it just more don't difficult. know what any of them are. So I kind of lied. Um, oh. No. They they didn't necessarily there wasn't it wasn't necessarily that there was no publication about them in that time period. I can't hold the surprise in anymore. We have an ecology article. Yes. Oh. That that comes in this 19-year gap. Um and I'm going to be talking about it last because like uh, I mean, they're the best part. Yeah, right. If you're if you've been following us for any amount of time and you've heard like uh, us talk about the ecology articles, you know that they're the best part of any episode. Yeah, Love so ecology there, articles. So there, well, there is actually a publication in this in between this period of time, but we're nice. going to talk about it last because, like I said, they're always the best part. No, that's an ecology fair. article. Yeah, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's okay. for now, we're going to jump to 2009, and this is actually from. An article, or not an article, pardon me, um, an adventure that was posted on the Wizards of the Coast website. Oh. Interesting. I Just don't wanna, think like, I've ever gone free, there. They're free little, there's a bunch of these, like, uh, from this kind of era that are just, like, these free, like, I think the PDF was, like, 20, 30 pages long. Just short little adventures mm-hmm. to just run through. Yeah, and this one is called Fool's Grove, which I believe this is actually in a... Part of like a longer story that has to do with this really roguish gnome character, but that's a story for another day. Um. No, no, no! You mentioned gnome. Yeah, you you got Travis interested. That's uh, on you. Wait, hold on. Travis has entered the chat. It's <laughs> my joke. So, okay, this is mostly the section I was trying to warn everybody about. Oh no! Um, oh, no. This this adventure features a. Stale trail flail snail. Oh no! Why? It's literally called a stale trail flail snail. Why did they do that? They <laughs> did they fucking did it on purpose. Yes, That's why exactly. they knew exactly what they were doing. Which it's it is an unaligned creature. Which I don't have any gripes with it being unaligned because it was it's been. It's a, I mean it's a it's, creature. It's it's a creature. Um, <laughs> with, a, with a, I think this is an award. Of an intelligence of one. I think that is the the lowest intelligence score we've ever talked about. Because we've talked about some low ones. The the Tarask has an intelligence of three. Oh, no. It is leaps and bounds ahead of this thing. I think you're right. I think that is the lowest intelligence score. Congratulations to... Say it. You say it, Taylor. The flail snail. No. Fuck. Say it with me, kids. Stale trail flail Flail snail. The stale trail flail snail. Yes. Wow. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is our dumbest creature of Dungeons and Dragons. (laughs) To date. To date. Our dumbest Dungeonpedia. (laughs) No, it's not our dumbest Dungeonpedia. That was last week's ad break. Um, Yeah. It has an AC of 50. Or, fuck, 18. <laughs> I'm becoming dumber by the second. An AC of 18 that becomes 14 
uh, when it is bloodied, because you know 4th edition loves the um, bloodied statuses. Right. This one w- is called the s- fail... Wait. The flail snail fail. I'm not kidding. That's actually... What no! It- <laughs> I made a dumb joke about that! Yeah, and I had to hold it in because I knew this was coming. A flail snail fail. Yeah. <laughs> so, in 4th edition okay. tr- tradition... Um, it takes away a lot of what makes the creature interesting, namely <laughs> the shell's um, magic resistance. Not resistance, but, you know, the magic bounce effect. Yeah. Um, so the shell offers only a simple melee resistance. Um, uh, and, well, you know, know, it's got some dumb it hits things. It's tentacles. Um, but it also has a close burst ability called Foil Snail Whale. <laughs> <laughs> Like, if nothing uh, else. <laughs> like if 4th edition did nothing else. They were having, they were, the, the person who wrote this was having a good time. Oh, yeah. Yep, they were going with... With this name. Uh, <laughs> yep, they were going with everything having to do with this thing. And it's weird-ass name. What's it What's it called <clears throat> when it's, like, alliteration, but it's the back half? Is that anaphora? Uh, I think so. I think it's anaphora. Yeah, do not ask me. I have no clue. English majors don't come for me, but like they just <laughs> they just went nuts. They went all in on the anaphora, and <laughs> so that's the uh, stealth. <sighs> Try it one more again. Ste- <sighs> St- <sighs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm gonna- I believe in you. <laughs> Good, that makes one of us. You got this. The stale trail flail snail. It's With easy. Its flail snail fail and its flail snail whale. Yes. Yes. Um, so I guess because No, don't ask me any more questions. No, I just I'm just curious. I guess because it's I'm not taking any uh, questions. Shells are not like magical or whatever anymore. They just do nothing other than look pretty. I, I believe yeah, I believe there was <clears throat> like this is literally a stat block. This huh. is literally all from a stat block. So I believe gone, yes, is the the value, the the, the GP value. Of the shell and all that kind of stuff, Damn. which is a shame. But like these names, <laughs> these names gotta make up for it. Like I'll allow it. <laughs> yeah, no, like that's fair. <laughs> like I won't. I think it's shit still. But like but. I'll allow it. Like that was some intern who was like, oh, but in in you know the and like the flail snail, its shell is supposed to like repel men. And it's like, no, Jeremy, shut up. Just write the mm-hmm. names of the abilities. And so Jeremy decided to have a good time. I'm proud of Jeremy. Yeah, good Jeremy job. got a job with Wizards of the Coast, by the way. Good job, Jeremy. Welcome back. I'm still dying. <laughs> like, <laughs> are you going to start screaming in a minute? Because please don't. No. Like Wait. a flail snail? Oh, haha. I was going to say, you might attract yeah. the neighbors. <laughs> I don't want to do that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so next we're going to move into 5th edition. Um... We're not usually in 5th edition this fast. No, I'm glad no. There's an eco- it's weird. I'm glad there's an ecology article for us. So, the Flail Snail is mentioned in both Volo's Guide to Monsters, which was released in 2016, and Tomb of Annihilation, which was released in 2017. For the most part, the information is consistent between the two of these, so I'm going to be kind of picking from each of them. Um, right. So, uh, Flail Snail is uh, a creature of elemental earth, because, you know, 5th edition loves... Ascribing elemental, I mean, val- like not value, but you know what I mean. <clears throat> yeah, they're big on the 
the elements and the elemental conflicts. And not to sound like the typical, like, you know, because 5th edition is pretty much what the th- mm-hmm. I am, like, used to and everything, but it does at least make up for the fact that they are some sort of other base creature yes. that's not carbon. It at least explains oh. that. Yeah, you're right. I mean, they're not described as silicon-based in this, but... No, at this point, they would be elemental earth. Hmm. Did fifth addiction... Fifth Fifth addiction? Fifth addiction? That's what we have. Yeah. Did fifth edition fix the whale snail? (laughs) Good job! Thank you. Um, yes. So, um... And and the only reason I was salty about the elemental thing is because I feel like it did a disservice to the Aarakocra. But whatever. So, you know, again, back is the... The emphasis on the shell and the value of the shell. Right. Um, they are described more or less like undisturbed as moving slowly, ponderously around, um, consuming everything on the surface, including rocks, sand, and soil. And I don't, hmm. I don't, I don't know what case they're, what definition they're using of this word. Uh, but it says, "quote stopping to relish crystal growths and other large mineral deposits." I don't know if they mean relish in like an eating sense or just in an appreciation sense. Because if it's why not both? Because if it's an appreciation sense, like same. Also, honestly, in an eating sense, because like I want to eat some of those rocks. Don't eat rocks. (laughs) Don't eat rocks, especially rocks that are toxic, like malachite. Don't eat malachite. Um, Don't put malachite in your mouth. Don't put malachite in your water. Don't do it, kids. Um, <laughs> so I guess they like crystals, which like same. I mean, that is really cool though. Yeah, but I, I don't like know it. if that's the case, like the 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 the, the vibe, the, the definition of the word relish they were using. So this is what they do if left undisturbed. But you know, I mean, it's a slow moving like snail creature. So uh, it says hunters might be lured into a false sense of confidence. Oh no! Because you know, like I said, it's a big old snail. Like, what's it gonna do? Right, it's slowly moving. It looks not like, hostile at all. Yeah, it looks very tame, and you're just like, oh, this is no big deal then. Um, <laughs> so if any creature large enough to be a threat approaches too close, i.e., within its sensory range, mm-hmm. uh, the snail <laughs> unleashes a flash of scintillating light mm. off of its shell. And then attacks with its mace-like tentacles. What? what? Yeah. So it has a, it has like a... It's like a flashbang defense. On its shell, which is cool. So, um... Yes. Also, uh, an interesting thing about Flail Snails in 5th edition is not only are their shells worth a lot, but as it moves, you know, a lot of times snails and slugs, they leave behind... A trail. Uh, usually right. it's a uh, nasty, yeah. slimy trail, though. Yes. Um, well, in this case, it's a trail of treasure. Uh, That's literally what the heading was called, was trail of treasure. Oh. Um, it leaves behind um, a... Huh? Oh, I was just saying... Um, no, and it's not just like... Someone's, someone at Wizards of the Coast isn't just gross. Okay. Um, this, the trail that it leaves behind quickly solidifies into a layer of nearly transparent, just like... It's, it's kind of like glass, actually. The residue can be harvested and cut to form window panes of varying clearness, which makes me think that the texture is like glass. Right. Um, it can also be heated and spun into glass objects of other sorts, which okay. are some of my favorite videos on the internet to watch. Is, like, Dude, glass blowing, glass blowing is, is so, so cool. 
like you satisfying. just can't yeah. help but appreciate all the not work even that goes oddly, into that. not even oddly satisfying, just straight up, straight up satisfying. So yeah, they basically just leave behind. I'm going to go with you on this one. It basically is just like a substance Pretty that solidifies trail. into glass. Yeah, and it's so it said that some which this. I'm actually thinking about the like the implications of like this lifestyle now cuz like I sometimes you read things and uh-huh. then when you when you say them it makes you like turn it over and look at a different layer of it. Yeah. And that's what I'm doing right now. But in addition to people hunting them for their shells, some people also make a living from trailing flail snails and did it to collect this glass. Which, like, imagine that being your life. <laughs> you and your family just follow a snail around and pick up its gross, slimy leave-ins. Well, they're not gross and or slimy by the point you actually collect yeah, them. Yeah, because you collect yeah. it when it's hardened. But also, think about the fact that if you're doing that, you also probably have to know how to fight because hunters could be trying to Ooh. kill this snail that you're following. Oh, I want to read this family's adventures now. So you are yeah. also, like... A defender of the snail as well. Snail conservationist. Okay. What? Snail defender. So Uh she said, Uh I said snail conservationist. I mean. (laughs) So you're. you're (laughs) They both fall under the same category. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Sort of. No, you know what I had? Okay. It's because I was like, okay, this person, these people also do this because they don't want people to kill the flail snails because they're probably endangered or something. I don't know. Well, we'll go with that. Imagine they're endangered. And so I'm imagining them being like a very like um crunchy. No, th- like yeah, they would they would be crunchy obviously, but that's just a general consequence of that. But like a very um like fire and brimstone um environmentalist type person. Oh. And then I was like, but wait, if they really were that way, they're probably also vegan. And then I realized that these leavings are technically an animal product. And that just led me to the thought of them going into, like, a church and being like, are these windows vegan? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, and I had all that and all those thoughts in the span of, like, a second. And it just led to someone walking up and saying, are these windows vegan? <laughs> yes, those are made from the finest of flail snail droppings. That's not vegan. That means they're not vegan. <laughs> No, they're made from synthetic flail snail trail. <laughs> I hate everything. I do too. So any, if I is, had to have... <laughs> is their leavings edible though? Well, okay, but vegan stuff is... Um... Well, no, I mean, getting past that, I'm just curious, legitimately now, like, do no, people well, eat the, the mm-hmm. like, glassy well, it is, trail? I will say, it is inedible to the snails, which leads me to believe that people probably could not eat it. Probably. Now, people with pica, on the other hand, might want to eat it. I mean, also probably. It hurt like hell, but... Eh. I mean, I've seen people eat glass before on TV shows. It's still bizarre to me, though. And it was not touted as being healthy. But anyway. (laughs) Wow, this is just an eating glass is bad for you. Um, So, again, it has back its cool shell. Good, good. good. Um, Its cool shell with a magic bounce type of effect. It says that the snail has advantage on saving throws against spells, and any creature that makes a direct spell attack has disadvantage on said attack roll. If the snail succeeds on the saving throw against the spell or an attack, or pardon, against the spell or the spell attack misses it, an additional effect can occur, which is now determined by rolling a d6 instead of a 
like percentage range. Okay. So one or a two causes the spell to uh, fail, essentially. Um, if it is an AoE type spell, then it fails. If the spell targets only the snail, it has no effect on the snail and is reflected back at the caster, and it uses the spell slot level, DC, attack bonus, yada yada, of the caster. Okay. So okay. this is the bounce effect. Right. Um, three to four, it has no additional effect. It just you fades know, out. It just misses. Or a five to six, the snail's shell converts some of the spell's energy into a burst of destructive force. Oh, no. So this is essentially kind of like a bounce, but worse. Um, each creature within 30 feet of the snail must make a 15 DC constitution saving throw, taking 1D6 force damage per level of the spell on a failed save and half as much on a successful one. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, yes. So it kind of like, that's the, <laughs> that's the AOE bounce. So more or less, if you mess up your roll against the snail, which you are likely to do because it has advantage or imposes disadvantage on you, something bad's probably going to happen. Yeah, you... So you should maybe just not try to hit it with magic. Yeah. Just kind of leave it... Just, like, just hit it. Just hit it physically. Um, Also, the new scintillating shell ability, the... Shell emits dazzling, brightly colored light until the end of the snail's next turn. Um, During this time, the light covers a 30-foot radius of bright light and then a radius of dim light for an additional 30 feet. So this is a lot of light. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Light beyond what the snail can even see. Yeah. Um, And any creatures that see the snail uh, have disadvantage on attack rolls against it. Uh... Additionally, any creature that is inside of the bright light and able to see the spell or see the snail, pardon, when the power is activated must succeed on a DC 15 wisdom save or be stunned until the effect of the spell ends. So literally like a flashbang. Yeah. 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 It is basically a flashbang. Yeah. And then outside of that radius of effect, it still is hard to see. Just on a bigger scale. It also has, it now has specifically five flail tentacles not four to six five it just has five Five, yes and they are not considered like they don't have their separate hit die hit dice pardon um so whenever the snail so it has like one hp stat so whenever the snail takes 10 damage or more in a single turn one of its tentacles dies rip if even one tentacle remains the snail regrows all of the dead tentacles within 1d4 days Okay, see, I was curious if they had, like, a regrowth effect. See, there was not one mentioned prior to this, I think. I think it was kind of... Which I think was kind of an oversight. Yeah, like, you're missing out on one of the biggest exciting things about, like, mollusks? Gastropods. Gastropods. They're gastropods now. But, like, blue in opinion, what are they? Flail snails. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, snails are mollusks, so I'm going to say they're mollusks. Okay. So... (laughs) Again, if all the tentacles die, the snail retreats into its shell, gaining total cover, and begins wailing, which can now be heard for 600 feet, stopping only when it dies 5d6 minutes later. So it goes on for a much longer time. Oh, no, no. Because prior, it was a handful of rounds, and now it's like up to 30 minutes. Now it's just minutes. Up to 30. Up to Jesus. 30. And at the very least, six. Like, 
Oh, mm-hmm. God, you kind of weep for these guys a little bit. <laughs> I, I do. Um, healing magic that restores limbs, such as the regenerate spell, can... It says halt this dying process. And I'm like, wait. As in they're still going to die? <laughs> like, like, do they... Like, what does that mean? I mean, to doesn't me, halt just mean stop? I guess. As in halt just a... Yeah. Yeah, okay. I guess. And if For you some... do that, I would guess that it would grow back its tentacles over time. Huh. Okay. I guess. Travis figured it out. I'm just... For some reason, when I read that, in my my brain, it was like... Temporarily? It was like um 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 delay. Yeah, For yeah. some reason, my brain translated help to delay. Or not help, pardon me. Um, Halt. Um, well? Yeah, bring or come to an abrupt stop. Yep. Huh. Well... There you go. That's how you save a flail. Uh, as a noun, it is a suspension of movement or activity, typically a temporary one. Welcome to reading the dictionary. So with it's less. Um, it's less de- denotation, more connotation. Yeah. Temporary. And for yeah. some reason, in my brain, the connotation of halt is like a temporary stop. Anyway. Anyway. Um. So this magical, glowy, magic reflecting shell sells for. This is where. The an inconsistency is it sells for five thousand GP in Volo's Guide to Monsters, and is said to only sell for twenty five hundred in Tomb of Annihilation. So I don't know if the stock market crashed in the year between <laughs> uh, Volo's Guide to Monsters being released and Tomb of Annihilation being released, or if it was just kind of someone didn't check their work. It was a Sarek's fault. Yeah, that Fuck fucking you, guy. Speaking of a Sarek, um. No, no, no. Tomb of Annihilation features the flail snail Unk. (laughs) What? Beautiful. Unk was one of the nine trickster gods of Cholt. Remember those guys? Yep. Whom Aseric killed and trapped within the titular tomb. Oh. Yeah. Yeah, so he's got a fucking flail snail just chilling in the Tomb of Annihilation. Yeah, so... Her spirit was stored within a robe, which I believe was... Oh, what were they called? The robes that you can... Wear? The robe of annihilation? <laughs> no. <laughs> the um, uh, the robe of scintillating colors. Oh. Uh, oh. Yes. Suddenly, all the pieces click into place. Yeah, so or it was oh. like the, the uh, equivalent of the robe of scintillating colors in 5th edition... Um, so her spirit was stored in one of these robes, and <laughs> this is there, there's a lot going on in Tomb of Annihilation, okay? So the the idea is that the canonical adventurers in Tomb of Annihilation happened upon this robe, and one of them put it on. And essentially, her spirit spoke to this adventurer and consensually possessed his body to help them defeat Aseric. Ooh. <laughs> so it was like nice that she got revenge on Aseric and also that she didn't possess someone without their consent, but it was also weird. <laughs> y- yeah. She's a very nice trickster god, okay? Y- yeah. 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 <laughs> so, there you go. <laughs> there's a there's a fun fact. There's a flail snail god kind of. I mean, she's not the god of the flail snails or anything. She's just one of the trickster gods of Chol, but she's yeah. a flail snail who lives in a robe now. <laughs> Yes, there once was a flail snail who lived in a robe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why do I love it so much? Oh, you you love it almost as much as you're going to love the ecology article. Oh, yes. So, finally, 
The best part. The best part. We are going to talk about The Ecology of the Flail Snail, The Price of Failure, which was released in 1999 in Dungeon Magazine, pardon me, Dragon Magazine, issue 258. (laughs) Why is it Dungeon? I don't either. Oh, and this article is by Jonathan M. Richards, who, that name feels familiar. I think he's written some other dragon articles. Probably. Probably. Or other ecology articles, even. Regardless. Thank you. Thank you, Jonathan. So, um, this is another one of those that follows uh, Drelix and Co. And it's, it's another one of those that's like, it's a, it's a story right. that has, Kate, that has um, numbers notes in the margins. And it's a, it's a good story. It's a funny story. Go read it. I don't <laughs> okay. want to spoil the story. Um, okay. Well, you know, because I love those that I, I are like right. that are like narratives that are that are portrayed as narratives that like happen in cave. Anyway, so um, the reason that flail snails are immune to fire and poison fire is because they have this obviously very thick shell and also a layer of wet protective mucus that covers their skin. Okay. They're, yeah. They're snails. So Follow. these two things, these two things working together Make keeps them, them from being yeah. damaged by fire. And as for poison, flail snails have such slow metabolisms that any poison that they intake is negated by antitoxins that its body produces before it can even metabolize the poison. <laughs> its, I metabolism wow. it. its metabolism is that slow that it literally produces antibodies faster than the poison can get it. That's pretty insane considering how fast poison generally affects uh, normal creatures. Anything, yeah. Um, so, on their vision, which again, also worth noting, I don't know if I said when this was released. This was released in 1999. So this is late Advanced Dungeons and Dragons 2nd edition mm-hmm. stuff. So some of this is contradicted later on. But like, in my opinion, most of it's better, so... <laughs> um, so the vision of a flail snail is obviously very limited, not only by the range, but just the capacity of it. Right. So it has its two sensory appendages, which are on either side of its head, mm-hmm. between two of its tentacles, and they can detect movement and differentiate between a range of light and dark in this 20-foot radius, but that's it. They don't see things. They don't see color, that kind of stuff. They can just know if it's light or dark, basically. Or if right. something's moving within okay. their field or, of vision. Yeah. So, flail snails are immune to most vision-based illusions. Which would make sense. Yeah. Because, like, <clears throat> they can't see anyway. really what the illusion's supposed to be, so it's like, whatever. Also, they're they're probably not smart enough <laughs> to even... Because I think that they're until in 5th edition is like 3... <laughs> Which is admittedly better than before. But Still it's not, not great. great. <laughs> Still so bad. Um, they can be blinded by a tight or continual light spell cast on their sensory appendages. But a blinded flail snail can still detect movement as that particular sense is based more upon the detection of air currents than actual vision. Oh my god. Damn. So it really wouldn't do much. Do much. Therefore, they only suffer a negative one to their attack rolls. Um, and this is honestly later contradicted in the same article, I think, because later on in a different bit, it says Flail Snow's aversion to bright light is, is an instinctual, instinctual behavior because of the sun. The sun can dry out the mucus that coats the creature's body. 
So therefore, their fear of bright light is purely instinctual. And it says later in the same article that bright lights themselves have no debilitating effect on foil snails, which is a contradiction. But also, basically, it either doesn't affect them at all or barely affects them. It's just an instinctual fear okay. of theirs. But, but Well, it barely affects them physically, rather. Right. Hmm. Emotionally, on the other hand. <laughs> um, these sensory appendages also house the creature's olfactory organs, which means that flail snails have a very good sense of smell. Okay. Which, huh. sure. Would not okay. have thought about them having the ability to smell, but okay. Yeah, me neither, like, at all. They yeah. can smell. They have really good senses of smell, I guess. Um, With them. Yes. Which, thinking about it now, might actually be how they can find all the lichens and algae oh. that they eat. Because it's not like those things really move. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the, to be fair, they do also kind of just, like, crawl around and just, like, slurp it up yeah. as well. So they can probably smell it and get, like, a general location of it. Yeah. Huh. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's, that's what I'm going with. That's why they can smell. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so the... Shell, the way the shell functions in this publication, which is different, obviously, from how it does in 5th edition. Right. Also notes that it, it's the shell that's doing the protection, but it protects it from all spells, including spells that can be targeted at specific body parts, like Magic Missile. Right. So even if you are like, I'm going to try to hit it in the head with my Magic Missile, its shell will still protect it. So whenever a spell or spell-like effect from a magical item is cast at a flail snail, the following results occur, and it does say roll against a percentage die, which I believe these actually work out to be the same as they were in uh, Fiendfolia, which is just 1 to 40, spell malfunction, uh, 40 to 70, or 41 to 70, spell functions normally, 71 to 90, spell fails to function but is expended, and also, uh, and then finally, 90 to 100 spells reflected back at the caster. Okay. Okay, yeah, I'm pretty but sure it's kind that's of an, like the same. Yeah, but it's kind of an errata note that basically says, like, I don't care if you try to hit it in the head. It's not going to work. The shell still protects it. However, what does work is the, the, the idea is that the shell only affects magic directly cast at the foil snail, but it wouldn't prevent the creature from being... Like hurt by something that was created magically, such as a, uh, you know, wall of iron as created by the spell wall of iron. If it was created and then dumped on the snail, it would still hurt it. So it's like, you know, you can't hit it with a magic missile. But if something is not a not a magical item, but maybe something magically created, it can can still hurt it. You know, because it's not directly targeted at the snail itself. It's created like next to it. And then, so therefore, then used, yeah, exactly. Interesting. So I wonder mm-hmm. if like uh, poison fog or something like that would work because you could like create hmm. it next to it, and then, and then if like, it moves into it, yeah, yeah. lure it into it. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously not poison, but something similar like lightning storm or yeah. Um. So I know we love talking about these guys, death whales. So the. Flail snails, death whales. Oh, <laughs> yes, uh-huh. used are the only time it vocalizes. It is otherwise completely silent throughout its entire life. Damn. What? The fuck? <laughs> I don't know why that. Like that's. I don't know why that's so fucked up, right? That's so weird. Like that is legitimately a very weird. First of all, a very weird decision to make. Second of all, weird ecologically. Yeah. Like sure. 
I guess that's just like an act of final revenge. Yeah. My it's like, listen, you, you have to listen to me scream. And possibly get attacked by anything else that's around. Yes. Hmm. Well, okay. Bizarre. So, um, we're finally going to talk about some more things that can be used, or that uh, flail snail body parts can be used to make. Ah, uh, um, yes. So, when ground up and mixed with their blood, uh, the stomach and liver of a flail snail are valuable ingredients in elixir of health, negating any previously ingested poison, I'm assuming on account of their just glacial metabolism. Yes, probably. Um, flail snail skin, along with a coating of the mucus that normally covers it, uh, can be finely ground into a potion of fire resistance, or used in the creation of a potion of fire resistance, which makes sense. Uh, flail snail mucus can be used to create potions of climbing, because you know. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, it says, however, this thickens the potion so much that it takes two full rounds to imbibe. Oh, and my does God. Nothing to enhance the taste, to say the least. It just is, if you're it's, out of anything else, you can use that to make the potion. Yeah. You. Mm, lovely, slimy mucus. Uh, yeah. Sh- so, um, I, uh, I, I saved the best for last, kind of last. So the <laughs> the way that this is put is hysterical to me. Oh boy. Because it says and this is all this is actually uh completely a direct quote right here. Quote, the flail snail entry in Monstrous Compendium 5 Greyhawk Adventures under Snail erroneously states that flail snails give live birth to one to three young. It also refers to them as quote silicon-based gastropods and makes reference to flail snails or flail snail females and mothers. Flail snails, like most land-dwelling snails, are hermaphroditic, each creature manufacturing both egg and sperm cells. End quote. So, uh, Jonathan just came for Greyhawk's wig. He came for their kneecaps. Fuck you. You know nothing about snails. (laughs) You're wrong. So, um, with that, (laughs) we're, like, you know we had to talk about how they reproduce, oh, right? God. You know yeah. we had I, to. I, I've been waiting. Let's go. So I, I saved the... I, this is the um, <coughs> climax of the episode, if you will. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> so flail snails have love darts. What? <laughs> which, <laughs> which are shell-like darts within specialized sacs in the creature's body that play a role in their mating ritual. Mm. Oh. Would you like to hear about their mating ritual? Yes. No. Yes, I would. Okay, so again, I'm sorry for all the quotes here at the end of the episode, but like, I had to. So. I get it. <clears throat> quote, they begin said ritual by slowly circling each other, then rubbing their heads and feet together. Their feet is what they move with. Like snails, you know what I mean? That's That part's not a quote. Returning to the quote. The love darts project from the creature's bodies and stab into their partner, causing neither pain nor damage. Different snail species produce differently shaped love darts, so it's very likely that this serves as a form of recognition for the two snails involved to ensure that they're mating with an appropriate species. Parenthetical. Pretty embarrassing to have mated with the wrong species entirely, but we digress. Parenthetical. It also stimulates the snail's bodies, preparing them for the act of mating. Flail snails cannot produce sperm cells without first having sampled their intended mate's love darts. Hey, it works for them. End quote. Wow. (laughs) There are... 
just so. I couldn't. I had to just read that. So many things. <laughs> so in much there to unpack it, there. I, but we're going to throw out the suitcase. Ah, uh, Jesus. Okay. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so that's how they mate, which is awesome. Um, they reproduce by. <laughs> Actually, I'm not done talking about how they mate. They reproduce by exchanging packets of sperm cells with another partner through the... <laughs> I can't. Oh, no. Through the genital pore. What? What the fuck is a genital pore? <laughs> it's a, a small opening near the creature's head. That's what a genital pore is. Oh, there was an actual answer to that. <laughs> yeah. Okay. After mating is complete, each cell goes its own way, and the two might never meet again. Oh, that's kind of sad. Uh, after about one month, each lays a dozen or so eggs under rocks or in small crevices. Uh, usually one to three of these eggs hatch into baby flail snails. And it says the young gastropods eat their own eggshells after hatching. Wait. Oh, I guess the I guess the snail parent, like, hangs out. Where, near where their eggs are. They're then cared for, as mentioned in Fiendfolio, by the parent for the next two years until their club tentacles reach a weight of about five pounds or so. Uh, <laughs> so that's how flail cells reproduce. I mean, I'm not mad that I know. I just don't know what I was expecting. <laughs> that. But genital pore. Yep. Genital pore. Genital love, pore. Love darts. Genital pores. Love darts and genital pores. So, really quickly. Uh-huh. That was the climax. This is the falling action. Um, so in, when this was requested to me, mm-hmm. um, cause they did request it to me specifically. Thanks guys. Um, <laughs> I believe Ari mentioned in, in their tweet that flail snails have a language and I did not realize this. Well, okay. I, I saw the tweet obviously. Right. Cause I'm doing this, but I forgot about this while I was doing my research until basically the very last minute. And I went and, like, dug through everything I'd ever, I had looked up already to make sure that I didn't miss a paragraph somewhere or something. Um, it seems, as far as I can tell, that this is actually in Pathfinder. Oh. Because flail snails are in Pathfinder. Okay. And I am going to specifically talk about their kind of language in Pathfinder um, because it was specifically mentioned. And also because... We're, we're running very short on time. And also, in a lot of respects, they are very similar between Pathfinder and Dungeons and Dragons. Yeah. And this is all taken off of Pathfinder's website. So, um, and a lot of this is also going to be quotes, because like I said, this was literally like a last minute thing. And I was like, oh, fuck, how do I speak flail snail? I have to find out. Um, so they are marginally more intelligent in Pathfinder. Marginally. With an intelligence of a whopping five. Beautiful. But they do have their own language. Um, they have no spoken language, but flail snails communicate using two different means, which, like, you know, they said completely silent, no spoken language. The first is an elaborate sign language of waving tentacles, which is used primarily for communicating, like, immediate things, like, you know, I need something or giving a warning or whatever. Um, the second is a complex chemical writing system encoded within the snail's slime. Yo! So each flail snail has its own unique chemical signature that makes its trail of slime immediately recognizable to other flail snails. Within each... uh, This is going into a quote now. Within its trail, each snail... Fuck. Records a running dialogue of its thoughts, observations, and memories in a complex interaction of sense that can linger on the stone long after the slime has dried to dust. 
Other uh, snails can read this dense inform- distant stream of information and edit it with their own trails, creating a vast interwoven cultural na- narrative that at once contains the snail's greatest art and the sum of their collective history. Together, the slime trails of two dozen snails weave epic tales worthy of any philosopher-poet. Um, one key hell? difference in Pathfinder is that flail snails, I believe, are basically like lobsters. They kind of just replace their own cells indefinitely. Oh. So unless some outstanding circumstance affects them, they just kind of live for a They long don't time. die. Um, and it says, and, and a, another insight into their communication says that most civilized humanoids tend to value speed and inference in their decision-making, traits born of an evolution as soft, delicate things in a world of powerful predators. As a creature of ultimate defense and slow movement, the flail, sl- flail snail has none of the same needs. Instead, its own unique brand of consciousness is correspondingly slow and placid, prone to the absorption of vast amounts of information rather than any need to process or leap to conclusions. And then, and it said that they're basically, you know, obviously we can't read their chemical trails. Right. Um, but it said that people who have managed to communicate with snails typically find them dull because... <laughs> everything is so slow and plodding. And also it says, curiously, I thought this was a really interesting note, that flail snails view every thought and detail as separate and unrelated from all others. Which is, I think, is a very uh, strong contrast, not only from humans in general, but also people like me who are trying to find, who are always trying to find patterns and things that don't exist. Same. But I mean, that is a function of being a human, because I feel like we categorize things to make it easier for our simple monkey brains, but not so for flail snails. It says, those monks or other scholars used to such things might recognize in the snail's cone-like observations a certain Zen poetry hinting at deeper revelations. And indeed, if enlightenment is judged by perfect calm and inherent peace of mind, then the meditative flail snail may yet have the advantage over humanity. So basically, they're like Zen poets. I love it. That's fucking cool, though. So that's, that's kind of that on the flail snail um, language, which seems to, as far as I can tell, pretty much exist in only in Pathfinder. There, I unfortunately I don't really have time to go into their mating ritual because <laughs> it's different in this. Um, oh my god! There's more goo involved. Oh yeah, maybe one day. Maybe one day, but not now. <laughs> not not now. Maybe maybe not ever. I don't know if anyone needs to know about that. I mean, if you really want to know, I'm sure you can just look it up. Probably. I mean, if you're maybe, well, just, just guys, just hang in there and see if I cover the flail snail pathfinder mating ritual. That's a hint. Anyway, that's all. That's a hint? Yeah. Don't look at me. I have no idea. <laughs> She's your friend. <laughs> She's. Hey! <laughs> hey, yeah, try. This is Travis, my associate. Anyway, Hi. thank you for listening <laughs> to this. Episode that <laughs> took a lot longer than I thought it would. Kind of like it probably takes a flail snail to get from point A to point B. Uh, you know what? Yep. I, I w- wasn't sure what to expect when you told me what we were going over, but I like it was I, not that. I settled in and I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. no, that was really interesting. Honestly, like thank you. I didn't know that there would actually be that much information about a flail snail, especially given that their publication history is so short. Like the bibliography is very short, right? And but there's a lot. <laughs> There's a lot going on in there. Catch Loon's bibliography on our Patreon. (laughs) But thank you guys so much for listening. Um, Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, on Instagram, for all of your Dungeonpedia needs. Don't forget to tell your friends. Like snails. 
coworkers, and especially if they like snails. Things that are difficult to say. Try and say that one from that one thing. I'm not saying it. Snail trail flail snail. Fuck yeah! Holy that shit! One. I'm, that mm, was impressive. Crushed it. All right, I've peaked. Tongue twisters. If you, if you're, uh, <laughs> I've peaked. If your friends are a fan of tongue twisters, yes, let them know. Or if uh, you have DM friends that might need some inspiration, this is an interesting thing to throw in there for it sure. It really is. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was a suggested topic. If you have anything you'd like to suggest, you can email us at dungeonpedia.podcast at gmail.com. And uh, I guess with that, uh, we'll catch you here next week on Dungeonpedia. Okay, I can't. I can't resist. They they climb to a high point and begin uh, copulating, and they lower their entwined bodies on a massive rope of slime and hang there for hours or days until they're finished mating. That's how they fucking pathfinder. I'm sorry. I had to. Damn. Hmm.